I came to a peace with it, you know, my sort of inner higher power thing. And I said, all right, you know what? This is okay. I can be my own person. I'm going to find this peace. I'm going to meditate on self. It's going to be cool and zen and awesome. And then uh, less than two weeks later, I got this message on OkCupid (laughs) of all places. I'm not even kidding you from this guy who wrote to me and said, I'm a little bit older than you say you want in your profile, but I do have an accent, which you say you like. Uh And um, I find you fascinating. And he wrote some really great stuff. And he's an artist and 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 a composer and... I said, okay, well, I listened to his stuff and I'm like, okay, it's that weird modern stuff, but I have feelings and emotions when I listen to it. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to say, all right, and go and have dinner. And pretty much, uh, within the first 24 hours, we were, you know, writing a, uh, master slave contract and seeing mm. where our relationship could go. And he was talking about how this was a relationship, that type of MS that he had sought MS being the shorthand for master slave. Sure. Um, that he had been seeking his whole life. And when we met, wow. he was he was 60 and had been fantasizing and searching and thinking that he could never even have that type of relationship, that it was something mm-hmm. that was just actually genuinely impossible because who would want to give up their time and energy and love to another person in that type of totality? And I raised my hands and them slaves, that's what we want to do. Uh. That's where we find fulfillment is in fulfilling the needs of another person. That turns us on. Uh-huh. You know, that's and your source of power. Yeah. That's uh-huh. that the fact that I can look back on the past year and even just this morning and every day really, he tells me how much more beautiful his life is because I'm in it and because I serve him and because we're together and how much stronger we both are as as humans. It's amazing. So Mm. my relationship to relationships is that I have a renewed sense of faith Mm. in humans and in love, really, that uh, I hadn't, I won't say I lost it. I will say it was ready to shift and become something that was solely mine, but it has shifted and now become something that I can put into this container that we have created. And Mm. it's magnificent. That is so gorgeous, That's Melina. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, have, and, um, I have two interrelated questions. Yeah. One, just because like I, um, uh, I'm super kinky and into BDSM, but I've never, I've never tried the twenty four seven thing, and I don't know a whole lot of people who who have have that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm genuinely curious, and I'm guessing some of our listeners are too. If you could speak a little more specifically about like what does a master slave contract look like, and <laughs> what was that negotiation like, and um, but then also I'm comic guessing sans. like it has to be written what in comic. Oh my god! Yeah, but also the the parallel with, question with the is guy. like. What are you just so fucking sick of being asked and or what do you just wish that like just everybody would just shut the fuck up and know already whether it's about um, I will about uh race sexuality kink master slave like I will just answer like the, get it, getting it out of the way first yeah, about yeah. like what do you just we the should just all The first one I will say because this is very common is that people assume that submissive people are weak-willed Uh, spineless, lazy, don't want to make our own decisions, um, are somehow broken, Mm -hmm. that we've been damaged. And so we're looking for a parental figure to take care of us. And to that, I respond, okay, let's say that's true. Mm -hmm. So fucking what? (laughs) So what? Let's say you have been damaged and dragged through the mud in life and this is the way you cope. Wow. How fantastic that you found a coping mechanism that doesn't involve alcohol or bad relationships. Mm. So yay. 
okay, second of all, actually, most of us aren't <laughs> damaged uh-huh. and and seriously screwed up. You know, one could argue that me uh, being a recovering alcoholic is a sign of screwed up damage, sure. Um, but you could also say that that's a different thing than having uh, to um, uh, be a, a masochist. Or maybe there is some masochism involved in being an alcoholic. I don't know. The point is that um, we, as people who are submissive, are certainly not lazy. And one of the things that people don't get is how much advocacy for self you must do mm-hmm. if you are going to then give up your power to another person. Mm-hmm. It's completely in touch with your needs. You must. Be. You have to. If someone's yeah. like, "What do I need to do to take care of you to meet your needs?" and you say, "I don't know," whatever you'd like, you're going to find yourself very quickly angry, miserable, f- miserable, frustrated. And probably not being taken care of because most people aren't that psychic. Most people mm-hmm. want to do well by you, but they don't know what you need. Sure. So you have to be very well fucking ahead of you the game <laughs> Yeah. when it comes to what you need. You have to be able to articulate it. And, and this is exactly the opposite of what people think. You must be 100% responsible for getting your needs met. Yep. Because when I sit down with my, with my sir and we say, okay, what does this contract look like? If I say, I will just do whatever you want whenever you want it. And in six months, he says to me, okay, we're going to be going to uh, Europe for three months. And I say, oh, well, but I have, uh, I have this appointment and I have this job and I have my sister's birthday and uh, I can't, and I have this dog I need to take care of. And I promised my friend, da, 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 da. You know, and he looks at me and says, well, but you promised to be there whenever I needed you. And I did not say that these were my needs. Whose responsibility is it? A lot of people would point to the dominant and say, well, he's an evil jerk for doing these terrible things and taking you away from your life. I would point to the submissive and say, did you tell them that's what you need? Mm-hmm. Were you explicit in expressing that necessity? And if you are not, then it's 100% on you, you know? Wow. Um, you guys really have to talk to each other about things. A lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. And one of the big uh, things that I have in place in my submission, and I preach this like gospel when I talk to fe- to folks in classes, is, is uh, I call it the prime directive. And mm-hmm. for all the geeks out there, it's not don't interfere in pre-warp cultures. <laughs> <laughs> actually is, uh, uh, and I'll state it, it's, For my iteration of it, what it says is it is the slave's primary responsibility to take care of the property up to and including from the owner themselves. Ah. And by taking care of the property, I am the property, right? I am what is being owned and possessed by this person. And so what my owner says by giving me that motive is the most important thing for you to take care of your first job is to take care of yourself. That includes you taking care of yourself in the face of my needs. And it's so elegant because so many people who are submissives are so driven and are such perfectionists to the point of martyrdom Mm. that sometimes people just go and go and go and do and do and do. And it doesn't matter if we're bleeding from the eyes as long as we are the good slave. So part of what this responsibility is, is to say, you know what the most important thing is me. Which again, people are like, well, that sounds selfish. You're not putting the owner first. But it's so cool because this is the order the owner gave you. So now you are putting them first. Boom. You know, the most important thing is that you are healthy. You can't do anything for them if you're not. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about contracts and you talk about negotiation, it's different for everyone. But 
one of the things I tell everyone who asks me that question is make sure that there's room to change it. Make it like the damn constitution. <laughs> there has to be room for amendments because otherwise you will find yourself frustrated, angry, miserable <laughs> again, you know? And so our contract, uh, some of it looks very businesslike and actually had a, uh, uh, when we were reading it and writing it, we said, wow, this language is very fancy and very formal and sometimes very cold, but it's important because by the time you are pulling out your contract to read it, probably something has happened Yeah, mm. and you need to have something that's hard mm-hmm. that you can look at and take a deep breath and go, okay, I in fact did promise that I would make sure to take care of you uh, financially. Mm. And the fact that uh, we are having financial issues is something that we've discussed. What are we going to do about it? You know, these are things that need to be outlined because in the heat of uh, difficulty, that's not when you want to try to negotiate those things. Mm. We made sure to negotiate. And for example, my, my partner has uh, children. And one of the things he's negotiated specifically is that I am to support him in maintaining that relationship. I'm not to come in between him and his kids. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to sit in the cool light of a calm moment and say, oh, of course, baby, I would never do that until that time when someone says something that pisses you off and you're like, fuck your kids, fuck your couch, fuck all this bullshit, you know, and you're ready to go and you take a deep breath and you go, oh, you know what? When I was of sound mind and body, I agreed to not step in between you and your family. (sighs) Okay. You know, that's not to say it works 100% of the time, but the great thing about having a contract is it takes it away from just the moment. And it kind of forces you to go back to the time when you were calm mm-hmm. and rational uh-huh. and say, we're going to take a look at what that master and slave said on that day. Because this master and slave today maybe are going at it. Mm-hmm. But we have that memory and that knowledge that we love each other and care for each other. And we desire this dynamic. Mm-hmm. And this dynamic is actually really the best for us. Ah. Can I slide a question in before the what do you wish everybody knew question that's sort of related to this, which is that do you think that this sort of idea of planning ahead or having a contract would be transferable to non-MS relationships? This is a thing that you have seen work outside of that construct? I will let you in on another very big secret. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my partner and I had a commitment ceremony, just a little private thing. And a friend of mine who's a rabbi, who's amazing and wonderful, presided over it hilariously because we were having a conversation about master-slave relationships. And she says, well, you know, in the Torah, there's actually a whole bunch of writing about how masters should treat their slaves. And, you know, slavery was a thing back in the day. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of writings on how to humanely treat your slaves and what to do if your slave decided after the seven years that you could keep them that they wanted to come back. So she officiated over our uh, ceremony. And that got us to thinking about how much that type of relationship is already a part of culture. Certainly non-consensual slavery Mm -hmm. is a part of American culture still to this day. We see the Mm -hmm. aftermath of that every day. I live in the Mm -hmm. middle of that. And one of the things that, that, that my rabbi friend said as our officiant is, you know, a lot of what you guys do in your relationship is just healthy. It's just healthy relationship stuff. And I'm like, shh, you're messing up my kink by making it good and healthy. (laughs) 
And I cannot tell you how many quote unquote vanilla people and sidebar, I don't use the term because it's become so pejorative. Mm-hmm. Sure. People are like, oh, those vanillas. And I'm like, half of them are doing freaky shit in the bedroom anyway. Oh, is that pejorative? I a think lot of it is. A yeah. lot of people oh. use it that way. Oh, those vanillas. Like you're plain or you're not enlightened or you, ha- you haven't yeah. fully But vanilla is delicious. That's what I say to people. And I would <laughs> like to mean vanilla like that, but I too It's feel the second most expensive spice that there is. is saffron, saffron being oh. the most. You yes. win, yes. Spice oh. no. <laughs> Look at you. I watch Jeopardy every day. <laughs> <laughs> the spice must flow. <laughs> what wow, is you're really vanilla? on the nerd references today. <laughs> I know, today. I know. I'm on a We've roll. Star Trek and Dune already. So I, I, I absolutely agree because uh, when you talk to people about sex, for example, uh-huh. and I say to non-kink identified people, you know, you can say how you want your, you know, genitals nommed on before the person <laughs> even gets down there. Yes. And people say, oh, well, but I, I don't want them to feel bad. I don't, mm, Or I just want them to magically sense exactly I just want the them way to know. that I... If I tell like, you, yeah. then it ruins the magic. And uh-huh. I'm like, the magic of the awesome orgasms you have, because they know that you like your taint diddled in just yeah. this speed just before you come. Uh-huh. Come on, people. Uh-huh. You've re- been reading my diary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just... Taint diddling one. Yeah. Oh, well then. <laughs> <laughs> And so you're absolutely right that almost everything that we do in Uh terms of our technique for relationship approach Uh is transferable Hmm. because every relationship contains a power dynamic over the years I would meet non-kink folks and they would be like oh you're kinky and we'd have these talk and I said okay you're in a couple if there was a riding crop right here in front of us and one of you was to pick it up and use it on the other one, who would it be? And mm. 90% of the time, they're like, bang, bang, bang. And they know who it Clearly would be. This one. And really? 10% of the time, they're like, oh, well, I'd... Uh, uh, and I'm like, let me introduce you to the concept of switching. <laughs> <laughs> I raise my hand high with <laughs> that one. And then they're like, you can do that. You can be the spanker and the spanky. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, yeah. And sometimes people just Hell flip yeah. a coin. Uh-huh. <laughs> and sometimes uh-huh. people wrestle it out. And then whoever's uh-huh. on top that night wins or Uh loses or both depending on Uh how you approach it and so these dynamics are present and I think what happens is we play with them in the open and other folks either it doesn't occur to them Uh or when it does occur to them they have no container for it they have no words for it and so many people will look back at their relationships that ended and they'll say oh that was a failed relationship and I'll say well it didn't fail it just ended mm-hmm. yeah it had really its season valuing depth not duration exactly and yeah. say you know is it possible that the reason that relationship wasn't successful is because your power dynamic was off mm. one of you really mm. wanted control and the other one didn't want to give it mm. or in the case of my relationships i really wanted to give control and the other folks weren't equipped or didn't feel equipped to accept it or to know where to put it so mm. everything that kinky folks write applies so strongly to default world relationships yep. that if they were to open up and say, oh, wait a second, actually negotiating for exactly how you want to be treated is important. You know, when I talk yeah. to when I talk to people, especially young folks, I teach at a lot of colleges and universities, and I say to them, it's okay for you to not just say no, but to say no and to say why. Yes. And it's okay for you to say no and not say why. Uh-huh. All of those are completely up to you. And if you want someone to call you a dirty filth 
pig sucking whore when you're having sex, that's fine. And if you never want to hear that ever from their mouth, that's fine as well. But what's important is that you say it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then it's important that you maintain that boundary. And that's default world stuff. You know, the idea that I would on a first date say, okay, so this is how many children I do or don't want. This is how I like to be spanked. This is how I like to be fucked. This is how I like to be spoken to. And this is the amount of emotional, financial, and spiritual support I need from my partner. And that that's completely not just uh, okay, but expected at the front of the relationship is shocking Mm. for most default world people. But when you tell them, Hey, you know what we do? Actually, we put that shit right on the table up front. Mm-hmm. Here's the baggage, baggage check, uh-huh. and the other person can look it over and say, "Woo, no way, Nelly." Uh-huh. Would you rather have that conversation on date six or year six <laughs> after right. the second child? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And you know people who've gone through that. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, and I am um, just the. The level of self-awareness and communication. I mm-hmm. geek out about how people can communicate together in it's relationships. So it's so amazing. Um, but I'm just curious a little bit about, if you're comfortable sharing a little bit about mm-hmm. your journey to this level of self-awareness and to owning yourself in your kink orientation and, and all that. Uh, nutshell version. It's like, were you always kinky? Like, did you know? Like, yeah, I was, I was yeah. always weird. Uh, I had a very developed sense of sexual curiosity. I started reading when I was three and I got my hands on the joy of sex when I was about four or five. It's at my cousin's house. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know some of the words, so I grabbed the dictionary. And, you know, it's like a 4th of July barbecue situation. And they're like, eventually, where's Mo? And found uh-huh. me in the back with the joy of sex in a dictionary. My mom freaks out. Sure. <laughs> like you might if you saw your four-year-old child looking uh-huh. up orgasm, you know. And I said, this sounds great. I would like to do this. And then, of course, it had to be explained that this was a grown-up thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, they save all the cool shit (laughs) for so much later than I find acceptable. So uh, uh, I had that curiosity since I was a very small child. I started having sex with other people. I started having sex with myself the second I figured out that repetitive touching was exciting. And then we moved to a place that had the um, shower head that Mm, unscrewed. The shower head. And that was was the beginning of of many afternoons spent in the bathroom. My mom was, you know, very proud of my personal hygiene habits at that point, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm showering three times a day. I'm so clean. And my first boyfriend in high school and I used to tie each other up and experiment with with spanking and role play and all of that. So that was never even like a thing. You know, we had a, uh, the both of us together had a girlfriend mm. at one point. We were like, I was 16, she was 16, he was like 18. So that was all before we had books on the subject. We just said, we like each other. We're all going to make out. This and is going to be great. where in the world were you at this point? Here in New York. Okay. Mm. In New York, I actually went to Hunter. Mm. Um, so I... I was born and I was born actually in New York hospital in New York city, which I think is, you know, extra. Wow. Yeah. New Yorker. Yeah. Especially since it's no longer there. Rest in peace, New York hospital. Mm. So I had sex. It was everything I wanted, et cetera, et cetera. Then, uh, I met this guy and had this crazy emotional chemistry connection thing. And at one point in the evening, he threw me up against a wall and started telling me with a dirty, naughty girl I was. And he was British, so we had that accent. Ooh. And it was just ridiculous. And and after all kinds of terrible, brutal, violent, 
sex. The next morning I got up and I said, I need to get him coffee and bake up his cigarettes and make him breakfast. And what else can I do? And I was really surprised at my reaction to this very hot and violent sex was to want to do things for him. Was it hot and violent consensually? Uh, yes, but it was not consensually negotiated. Mm. It was more like one of those, um, Consent, uh, what is the word? Not consent by not consenting, but consent by not saying no. Right? And I think that that's pretty common for people who are not necessarily accustomed to negotiating sex. Yeah. Is that you think, am I feeling okay about this? Yeah. So I'm going to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. And when we talked about it later, it was interesting because I I did say to him, uh, it's interesting how you just like threw me over your lap and started spanking me and without even said, is that the way you normally are? Are you always just like that? And he said, uh, I'm like that with women when I feel like it's right. And when they feel like it's right. And when that's the vibe and when it works out. And I, 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 I know that in consent culture, that's just a huge taboo and it's terrible, but I'm not going to ignore the reality of that's how life is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you meet someone and the chemistry's right and it's hot and you fucking go for it. Wow, that's complicated. That's complicated. <laughs> and I'm curious how that intersects with, because um, I hear both sides of that. Yeah. But like, and I guess we can also just hold the complexity of all that we said about mm-hmm. how, especially in BDSM culture, just getting everything out in front, being that self-aware, taking mm-hmm. care of your Absolutely. needs is paramount. And that we nobody can read your mind about what is it, taint diddling one oh one about how you like <laughs> um, but that um but that also at least in this moment and there are times when going with the flow is yes. okay. And that's yeah, that's that's for me a challenging thing to hold, even it though is. I hear that that this experience for you is like only celebratory. Oh. Right. In right, the way right. That, that you own it and the way And that's not to say that uh it makes it okay. And what I tell people is if you are engaging in activity, um and both of you know what you are doing and you have negotiated the scene, that's great. Uh, however, there will be times when you are willing to take the risk of going for it and living in the moment. And what you need to keep in mind is, are you prepared to deal with the possible ramifications and the consequences? You know, uh, a lot of people are not. For a lot of folks to say, I'm going to uh, do what I feel is right in this moment and if what you feel is right in the moment happens to be something that the other person does not feel is right, is it the other person's responsibility to say, this is not right. I need you to stop. You know, for me, that's a perfectly fine dynamic. For other people, it might not be. Um, I personally feel, and disclaimer, disclaimer, this is just me, da 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 that sometimes things happen in our lives and they are not negotiated and they are not pretty and they are not by the formula. And that's fine. Mm. Uh, I have certainly been in situations where people have non-consensually taken advantage of me and the energy and the feeling and uh, the way I was experiencing those things in the moment was very different. Mm. You know, this first guy when I was like, oh my God, he's so hot. Oh my God, he's touching my leg. Oh my God, he's pulling my hair. Oh my God, I'm more turned on than I've been in my entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I felt safe enough in knowing that I was able to take care of myself and that I, each step of the way, felt really good. Mm-hmm. You know, in the case where I was sexually assaulted once uh, by, a, uh, by a, an off-duty cop when I was living in <sighs> L.A. 
and once uh, many years later by a guy when I was visiting overseas. In both of those situations, every step of the way, my entire body and everything in my head was saying, this is not right. This is not okay. No, stop. I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm, you know, fight or flight, you know, fight, flight or freeze. This is the other F that no one talks about. Mm. Um, those things kicked in very strongly for me. Mm. And so one of the things I also tell people when I'm, um, especially if you identify as submissive, it's very important for you to take responsibility for yourself as much as you can. And to learn to draw your boundaries and to uh, make sure that you have them firm in your head mm. and you're ready to defend them because no one else will. No one else will. And I could be looking back on that same memory and saying this was a horrible night. Yeah. 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 And I think I hear that as the responsibility of submissives mm-hmm. and how that saying that does not negate the huge responsibility of dominance no. to. No. Uh, to create opportunities for enthusiastic consent to um uh to be paying attention to the partner's right, energy right. to be checking in along the way and and so. and for and I had this conversation with someone we were talking about consent and there are some people who believe that unless it is verbalized and actively spoken it doesn't mm-hmm. count and there's some people who believe that that the physical assent and the nod and the arousal and the acceptance and the reciprocity is fine and mm-hmm. I am of the latter camp, okay. you know, um, because I am willing to deal with the ramifications thereof. And so that's where I stand. Whoa. You know, this is a comp, this is, this is, this is, this is complicating my, my, my brain at the moment because mm-hmm. I feel like I've been so immersed in the, in the first category that you've said for so long that mm-hmm. I haven't, that since I've started considering this sort of thing, that's where, that's what I've heard. That's the narrative that I've heard and what I've learned and sort of internalized. And that's and I think that's that very. The moment. I think that's very good. It's it's this is not territory that I'm not unused to treading. For sure. example, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, some of the play that I do in kink and BDSM involves what people call consensual non-consent. Mm-hmm. So the idea that saying no stop uh-huh. is part of the is part of the scene negotiated beforehand. But Correct. You know, right. Yeah. You know. Um, and so, for example, if I'm doing a scene that involves. Uh, Someone's saying very bad words to me mm-hmm. and I've agreed that they, this is a very bad word that they can say. Let's say the very bad words are now including racial epithets. Mm-hmm. I absolutely expect that if I'm doing a scene with a white person and they're calling me a nigger, that that is something that is difficult and uncomfortable for them. <laughs> yep, probably. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. If, yeah. It's, if it's not, then that's actually not the sort of person with whom I would want to do that scene. Right. Yeah. So if I'm bottoming to someone and and... Or even if I've just met someone and they are putting themselves out there as a dominant person, this is a this is a delicate dance, right? Because on the one hand, they could sit there and they could say, "Is it okay if I dominate you?" But then the question is begged: Once I ask, am I really dominating you? You know, and sure. that's that sort of it seems like a catch twenty two, and it's not. Basically, you still have to get permission to uh, 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 to be the boss of someone. However, what you also can do is allow, as you just said, make space, make room for the person to submit to you. You know, what feels safer for you as a person who is bottoming? Is it safer for you to be the person who makes the first move or is it safer for you to be the person who waits until the move is made on you? Mm-hmm. And top or bottom, you have to make that assessment because anyone who thinks that a dominant person is the one who is um, the aggressor 
and that the submissive is the one who is at risk and vulnerable and it doesn't flow the other way is deluding themselves. That's so true. Because dominant people, A, have their, uh, I know quite a few who've had their boundaries compromised, who've Mm -hmm. been taken advantage of, who have uh, been assaulted emotionally and sexually, uh, even from a position of quote unquote power Hmm. or been coerced into exerting their power on someone when they don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, all of those things are very real. And so it's complicated. And I don't want to say that my way of being or my experiences at all apply to anyone else. But I do have to be honest about my experience because mm-hmm. uh, not to, to, to not do so would be uh, disingenuous. Sure. Totally. And what I feel like I hear like you hear you advocating is for everybody being as self-aware yeah. as they can yep. and in touch with themselves as they can. Um, and I realized that we got, we went down a little different path, but you were about <laughs> to say how you, so this, you had this experience yes. and then you wanted to, and then, then you had certain impulses. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, what I, what I realized was that being submissive to someone actually was in and of itself fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting is that having grown up here in New York, I was well aware of kinkiness and leather, but I saw it as a thing that gay white men did Mm -hmm. because that was who I saw. You know, we used to go drinking actually on the, on the bars, on the piers and on Christopher street. We were in high school with our fake IDs because they thought it was hilarious that there were 16 year old girls in the mine shaft. Right. So Uh we would go there and hang out and see the guys going in and out of the back room and they, they, they politely deflected us. We were like, what's going on back there? And they were like, nothing, girls. Just stay up here. Nothing to see here. Move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we knew what was happening. And so I was aware, oh, okay. So they're, you know, giving each other spankings and they're doing the whipping thing. And, you know, I knew what fist fucking was. And I was aware that that was the thing that happened in these bars. And so now here I am in my 20s thinking, okay, but where do you go if you're a girl and you want to do that? Mm-hmm. I had no idea that there was room for me anywhere. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, within a year or so, the the internet had just started to become a thing that was available to some facets of mm. the population. And I happened to be lucky enough to be living in Southern California and hanging out with a bunch of nerds. And uh, I had a couple friends that worked for JPL NASA and one of them gave me an old computer, old by their standards, and a terrible, clunky, horrible thing. But I got dial up. And so immediately I was on, you know, alt.sex.bondage uh-huh. and on every bulletin board, soaking up the knowledge that there were thousands of people who were out there who you are were not interested. Alone. Exactly. Yeah. And I said, well, if they're there, then I can't be the only black woman who feels like submission is a cool thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was my fear is that I was not only betraying feminism (sighs) by wanting to be submissive, but that I was directly insulting the memory of all the people who had lived and fought and died uh, who looked like me simply because they were black. So they're like all of the cans of worms. Yes. <laughs> all of them. All On my head <laughs> immediately. Yes. And yeah. so the guilt was really terrible. And ultimately what happened was I had this great conversation with this guy I'd had this first, you know, intense uh, relationship with. And he said, so you're going to deprive yourself of exploring this because um, you shouldn't do it because you're black? 
It's like you're kind of being racist against yourself. Mm. <laughs> and I said, well, it's not quite that simple, but I see your point. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was. It was an interesting idea that being a black person meant that I could not access kinky sex because the verbiage and the imagery was so reminiscent of stuff that was done to people who look like me non-consensually. Yeah. So I can't ever do a rope scene because of lynching. I can't ever be a slave because of non-consensual slavery. Yeah. I can't ever have a partner who's white because then we are mirroring this dominant paradigm of this non-consensual horror mm. uh, uh, that still has left its marks, horrible, horrible marks on, horrible, on our country. Horrible. And uh, And I said, this is hard. This is really hard, but I'm going to take a look at it. And I was further inspired because I realized that I was not the first black woman <laughs> to be submissive in the world and even in and the to leather. Be asking these questions. And to be and asking these questions and even the leather community. And I read uh, a wonderful book, Different Loving, that has a bunch of interviews with a bunch of different people. Uh, I think they were mostly from the Boston King community, mostly. And one of them was a black female submissive. And I closed the book and I was like, right, if there's one of us, at least I'm number two. Mm. So someone else came before. And then I discovered that there were quite a few uh, other black leather women. And and I said to myself, all right, this is not necessarily the easiest thing to pursue. And it's not necessarily going to be simple, but I don't see where there's any other option that will be as intriguing. And I don't feel like there will be anything else that will be as fulfilling. So fuck it, I'm going to go for it. Mm. you know and uh by this point now a couple years have passed and we had alt.com and wonderful websites like um i think craigslist at that point had just started putting up uh personal ads so people were starting to find each other and that was my entree i discovered that there were public meetings and I went to one, it's called a munch in San Francisco. And basically it's just a bunch of kinky people who happen to show up at the same place at the same time and have lunch. And the conversation might not even be about kink. It might be about the game. Right. Or it might be about who has the best childcare. That community is so powerful. Yes. To walk into, you know, the back room of a Denny's and see 20 other people who are like, you're a pervert. Great. Where'd you get those shoes? They're super cute. Yeah. The normalizing, the socializing, all of that. And a way to meet people in an environment that's safe. So you can actually sit down and speak face to face uh, in an egalitarian place as equals. Yeah. And to Uh me, that's absolutely important. I need to know you as a person Uh and feel comfortable with you just as a human being and connect with you and then say, oh, and maybe you can spank me sometime. Mm -hmm. Let's (laughs) let's go and have coffee and talk about that. Uh You know, and so that being something that was built into the system was really helpful to me coming out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being so generous with your sharing, even about personal stuff. And I, there's so much that I want to ask you (laughs) and I think we should move on to questions and then other stuff will come up as we, as we do. I I feel like we could, 
I feel like we could easily do the next three. I have there's uh, the. This might be a long episode, you guys. <laughs> part one, Fasten part your two. Seat I feel like we lifted the top worm off of the bucket of worms. There's so. There's I know. So I was about to say right questions. now, people listen to us going, "Oh my god!" <laughs> Everyone is shouting questions right now. Great, <laughs> bring them on and, and send them to us, and maybe Melina will agree to be in conversation Absolutely, again. Absolutely, and be also cool. we want to ask you this at the end too. But um, will you give a shout out to all the places where people can learn more about you and your work mostly uh i would say molina.com m-o-l-l-e-n-a.com uh you can also follow me on facebook that's probably the best way to see day-to-day stuff and i'm molina on facebook m-o-l-l-e-n-a and on twitter as well um so th- you got that in, in both the url and facebook and twitter that's yes so yeah, yeah yeah actually i race for that because uh it used to be i never had any competition and then uh, this generation grew up and suddenly there's three or four other Molinas Uh-oh. on the internet. Wow. Like some other Molina has Instagram and I mm. raged. <laughs> I was raging. I was like, which who, which eight of us got there? <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to reach out to you directly or have questions directly for you, is there info on your website? Yes, there's a there's touch? a little clickety, clickety button for sending me email. Um, I also take uh, messages. I, I, I'm pretty sure you can just send me a... a uh, a message via Facebook as well. Beautiful. Which is more real time for me. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very much a real time person. I'm so immersed in my relationship because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what happens when you're someone's slave is that you're like, what do you need me to do? All of the things. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, so sometimes my email piles up, uh-huh. but Facebook is great. It was real time. Awesome. Well, so as I said, fasten your seatbelts listeners. We're just getting started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now. On to your questions. Question one. How do I break into BDSM culture? That's a big monster. How do I even break into the conversation? It is intimidating as a new dom to even know where to begin. But also as a new sub, what should be demanded of a good dom? I worry about new subs who would get caught up and get taken advantage of. What should I expect going in? What are good resources for new people? There is so much there. And mm. I feel like we've we've addressed some of how does a sub not get taken advantage of in the yeah. earlier conversation. But do you want to dive uh, in? I will I will first and foremost do a big old plug for Please our do. book. Plugs. Uh, uh, Lee Harrington, who is a prolific author himself. Um, and you want to talk about stuff about rope bondage and stuff. He has two new Shibari rope books coming out. Mm. So look him up. Uh, we co-authored. Hmm? What is what is the Shibari. thing you said? Shibari. Shibari rope bondage, which is Japanese style, Japanese influence rope bondage. Uh, Lee likes to call it erotic macrame. Okay. And so it's a lot of very uh, decorative ties and it looks very pretty and it's very complicated and it has all this beautiful sort of zen kind of focus to it. It's lovely. It's awesome. Check it out. But most importantly, we co-authored a book uh, called Playing Well with Others, your field guide to exploring, discovering, and navigating the kink, leather, and BDSM communities. Mm -hmm. Longest title ever. We had to jam it down the throats of our publisher. They were not excited. But... (laughs) It includes all the stuff and therefore it makes it easy to search for. Mm -hmm. And the reason we wrote it is because no one had written a book that answered that question. Okay. I am starting from zero. I think maybe I'm kinky. I don't know. What do I do? And so we take people step by step. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We take people step by step and say, okay, so here's where you can read about it. Here's questions you might want to ask yourself. Here's places you can go. Here's how you find those places. Here's what you do once you're there. Here's how to negotiate stuff. We have a whole negotiation checklist in the back even. We have 
information about different types of events from munches, as I mentioned before, which are very calm, casual public events to negotiating private scenes and all that's in the book. And I'm pretty sure it's still, if you get the ebook, I'm pretty sure it's two bucks. Oh, all right. On Amazon, $1.99 for the electronic edition. Wow. And uh, the uh, paperback version, I think, is maybe $11. So it's not super expensive. And uh, even if you're in a very tight budget, hopefully you can get the electronic version. Or and make a librarian's day and request it. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and what I'm most proud of is that you can't get three perverts to agree on one thing. And so far, even the crankiest, grouchiest, kinky people are like, well, there's good stuff in the book. It's fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, cheers to that. I'm really excited so to read it. So I'm really glad to be able to say to people that resource is there. So just pick it up mm-hmm. and and take a look at that. It has a lot of really good information. And Lee identifies as a trans male. Mm-hmm. And I identify as a cisgendered uh, queer female. Mm-hmm. And so between the two of us, and Lee uh, was involved in the King Comedia Center community before he transitioned. Mm. And so we have a lot of points of view covered. You know, as a person of color, we have a lot of hits. Uh-huh. We're coming from a lot of different when places. When did it come out? Uh, two years ago. Awesome. Great. So check it out. Yay. Yay. Uh, and the second, the other part of the question about keeping uh, submissive safe. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. I get a little bit bristly when everyone waves their arms and does the Muppet flap. Oh my God, save the subs. Be careful, kids. Don't fall and bust your knee. And my thing is, no, fall down, fuck up. And then get up and figure out how to get your shit together. Because Mm -hmm. the most important things that I have learned, I did not learn because someone shook their finger at me and told me to be careful. I learned them because I'm an experiential learner and I need to see for myself. And so what we can do is to give people the tools to think critically. We can say, here's good stuff to look out for. We can say, please don't leave everything that you learned in the default world behind. Mm-hmm. When I say to pe- when people, when, I, when, when, when kinky people go, oh my God, we have to protect the, the, the newbies. I say, okay, how did they survive at least up until the age of 18? Mm. Because you got to be at least 18, right? To uh-huh. do our stuff publicly. Something's gotten them that far. The average person is not coming into the community nowadays until they're in their 20s or early 30s. At some point, you have to learn how to stand up for yourself. And so the idea that people need to freak out and worry about new people because they're new, in my opinion, always felt a little bit like I'm an adult. I want to be an adult and I take adult responsibilities. Um, On the other hand... There is a lot of reliance on community that is not earned, Mm. right? A lot of people assume that if someone's standing in front of a class, they know what they're doing Mm. and they're reliable and trustworthy. And I'm here to say that is not true. I will absolutely say if you go to a class and the person speaking to you. Not necessarily true. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Anyone teaching a class in video service. Total idiot. Me too. There. Uh, Thank you. I was like, like, wait, what? What did she say? And they're rewinding. Everyone who does what we do is as likely to be uh, uh, unstable and unsafe as anyone on the street. We are not the cream of the crop. I like to say we are um, a microcosm, not a utopia. Mm -hmm. You have not found some sort of secret society of awesome when you discover the King community. And you're going to find all kinds of people. 
And when you come in, it's important for Same you to know. Same as in the wider world. Same like as in the wider saying. world. You have not come into some safe space where you can just put down your purse and leave it. Mm-hmm. Take it with you. Right? The same defense mechanisms <sighs> that you would utilize in the default world, utilize here. Mm-hmm. If you were to meet someone uh, at a friend's wedding and they said to you, hey, let's go out for dinner next week. And you said, great. And they said, don't wear panties to our meeting and address me as sir. You would look at them and say, holy shit, you fucking sociopath. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. But because they sent you that email on FetLife or on Craigslist or from an OkCupid profile where they uh-huh. said that they're dominant, somehow now that behavior is okay. No, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. They still have to get your permission however you give that permission, Uh they still have to obtain it in order for you to submit to them. So don't leave behind your default world stuff when you come in. Totally. You know, and to assume that, you know, you need to warn the subs, the dominants need to be warned as well. Everyone coming in needs to be alert Uh and wear your adult style hat Mm -hmm. and come in as a grown up and be responsible for what you're doing. Yeah, I have two things to add. One is a personal story mm-hmm. and then another um, just to kind of like dig in there a little bit more. Um, the personal story is just to speak to how even those with years and years of experience yeah. still can fuck up sometimes. Yeah. Even so um, I had a wonderful like over two years BDSM dynam- dynamic with a partner and we were exploring down a really certain track. Like I'm much more into, um, the psychological power elements than like pain and sensation and stuff. And so we were playing like very heavily with fear mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. um, and danger and all, and, and we knew we were very lovingly, giddily, excitedly developing this dynamic where we were, um, where I was the sub and we were, we were playing with these things and getting like deeper and deeper and deeper each time. And we were really interested in pushing each other's edges. And then one time about a year and a half into this very loving, very trustworthy relationship where our communication was so stellar, we both from both sides pushed it too far for yeah. us. And it was rough on both of us, not yeah. just, it was, it was, um, it was really rough on them, rough on them too. And so we then with the trust that we had built in terms of like aftercare and checking in with each other and unpacking that, like we are ultimately fine, but we pushed it too far for each other, even within the context mm-hmm. of that, that communication. But that I want to speak to your point about like, you just learn from experience and get on in there. It's like you, um, all of that communication is so important and you're going to fuck up. Yep. And that means that the communication is so important. Like those things work together, like exactly. get your hands dirty and also be as conscientious as you can. And ultimately, I'm so glad that we found our edge and we went too far mm-hmm. because that's where we were ultimately driving toward. And I learned so much about myself from that experience. And ultimately, I was fine, even though it was rough. But um, the other thing that I wanted to just add to that is I feel like um, a lot of talk about like I'm a new dom, I'm a new sub, how do I get in the scene? Um, so exciting, person who wrote in that you want to uh, uh, dive right in. And But I, I, would, I personally have been to kind of like shake up like kink scene as like, oh, those people over there. Yeah. Like I think most people are more kinky than they either have realized or have acknowledged or mm-hmm. have acknowledged publicly. And so I just want to give a shout out to Baby Steps to, and like that, that like, you can, as you were saying earlier, Melina, that like a lot of people have unexamined 
power dynamics within their relationships and to subvert and or play those up um, what you've already got going on in real life Mm -hmm. can be awesome. And so you who are new to the scene, totally find that community, seek out the public play spaces, definitely read Molina's book. Um, But I feel like also you can start out with power play being like like a side dish on the menu. It doesn't have to be like the first time you dom, you like have this you know, like like five Suddenly hours you scene the with the St. Andrew's and, cross yeah. and you're only you know, like <laughs> and you're you're doing like whatever, you know, high impact and knife play and, and all of the above. And like it doesn't that like I think there there is a little bit of conception that like if I am kinky or if I'm a pro dom, then I will like do all of the things. And like maybe you'll be into all the things. Maybe you'll do it on the first try and that'll be great. Yeah. But I think that like you can experiment with like even the power of how simply you know holding someone's hands above their head that wants that or even the command keep your hands above your head as a way to just like dip your toes in the water or playing with sensation or playing with light spanking consensually um that um i just want to encourage whoever wrote in like it just seems to me just in the way the question is wording i worded i might be reading too much into it but there's kind of like this fraught energy around the question like what if i do that what if this what if that how do i ah and like i just want to give you a big hug and say like <laughs> it's okay and like it's okay to take baby steps it's okay to have big questions um seek out resources find community it's um, also okay to not necessarily have to you know and you 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 mentioned the idea of diving in uh, sometimes you can bring the party home, right? Mm-hmm. You can say rather than I need to jump into this community is you can just sort of open your door to this possibility. Or within an existing relationship. Even. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to say this is what I'm open to. And I've spent many years on the West Coast, so I have the woo factor happening. But <laughs> invite that energy into your life, right? I haven't spent years on the West Coast, and I have the woo factor. <laughs> I'm from the but West it's... Coast, and I have none of it. <laughs> we balance that's, each other out. That's why you're here. Yes. <laughs> and so it's what I find fascinating, and woo or not, people will notice that the more... It's like if you say, I'm going to look for red cars. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, every other car you see is red. If you say, now I'm going to look for blue cars, suddenly you don't see any red cars. If you say, I want to have a kinky relationship and you are suddenly searching for that person or you're on that date and that person gives you that look and you get that sort of trembly feeling in your belly and you have the eyes downcast slightly as opposed to just continuing the conversation, those silent signals, that kind of back and forth, that maybe can put into your head the fact, oh, wait. As you said, maybe I don't need to go run out to a play party. Maybe tonight in bed I can say, wouldn't it be sexy if I told you what to do Yeah. for the next hour? Uh-huh. Let's try that. Uh-huh. You know, I am the boss of you. You will now do a little strip tease for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Isn't that or sexy? Or worship my breasts for 10 you know, minutes. Or, or how about you, you know, eat this lollipop really slowly. Just lick it, <laughs> lick it, lick it. <laughs> <laughs> or you make and feed me dinner tonight. Mm. You know, I'm not going to lift a finger. I will just lounge here as you feed and me we supper. Will, we might both feel turned on. Yeah. You know, so you can take those um, opportunities mm-hmm. to invite this into your life and see how it is. Because uh. then you're on your own turf. When you go there, when you go to find us or them, however you're looking at it, uh, you are now in an uncertain territory. It's like first day in high school, right? Do you sit with the jocks? Do you sit with the geeks? Where do you go? Versus saying, I'm just going to make room in my life for this to come into it mm-hmm. and see what happens. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you, I met my current owner on OkCupid, which is not a kink-oriented uh-huh. site. Mm-hmm. It is not mm-hmm. FetLife. It is not Bondage. It is not Alt.com. It is none of those. However, on my profile, I just say, I'm a pervert. I am kinky. Mm-hmm. You can Google my name. I use my real name mm. in my profile. And you can find me. And if who I am is interesting to you, please write. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you how many people wrote to me on a quote-unquote regular dating site, right? Mm-hmm. Dozens of people who would say, I've never done this, but I've always wanted to. And this is just a tiny cross-section of just the people who found me on OkCupid. If in a month I get 100 people saying, I've always wanted to do this, how many thousands more must there be? We're out there. Totally. And so your, your, your admonition to... to Take those baby steps is important because you will do much better if you find someone you connect with first yeah, and then discover the king together versus plunging into this world uh-huh. and hoping that you then, because you have this big thing in common, which is kinky sex, will then find your soulmate in that mm-hmm. because right now you've reduced your pool. Yep. And I, lo- I, I, I see a lot and I feel like the tendency to be like my kink self is over there in yes. that corner with that kink world. Not like I am who I am. Also, I'm kinky. Also, like the, like my, who I am sexually is integrated in, in terms of who I am the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. like some people might not be into that, but I feel like some people don't realize that that's an option. Exactly. And it's not just an option, it's an awesome option. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we go on to question two? Anything you want to so. add, Dave? I can sing the I Am Out of My Element song that I'm going to invent right now. (laughs) Great. uh, Do you want to? I am out of my element. (laughs) Sounds great. I have no idea. (laughs) That was so Uh, Kermit-y. It was adorable. Thank you. Can I read question two? Sure. Will you pull it up for me? Question two. Or the next question. The next question. A play party organization that I know and respect sent out an advertisement for the MLK Day party, which had several porn images of people of color on it. I was shocked and horrified at this tokenization, especially given that the organizers and the person who put together the collage are white. I ended up deciding not to go to that party. I couldn't with that image in my head. Do I have a responsibility to call out the organizers? How would I begin to do so? This is so many layers of fucked up. Yes, yes, it's so many layers of fucked up. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I am We black. found the image, by the way. I'm a black person. Uh, standard issue American Negro <laughs> woman of color. Negress, as I self-identify uh, on my website. Uh, let me also say, which is obvious, but I always fucking feel the need to say it. I am not speaking for all black people. I'm not even speaking for some black people. <laughs> I'm speaking, maybe some. I'll speak for like these eight. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my website for the list of eight black people okay. who have signed up <laughs> to let me speak for them. <laughs> Great. Well, he just speaks for me. <laughs> oh my God, I should totally do that. Yes. I'm totally going to do that on Facebook. Okay. I'm like, okay, black people, I can't speak for all of you. But if who you do want me for, to speak for you, sign up here. Here's a sign up sheet. I have a list right here on my clipboard of 200 black people that I speak for. And I will say, the first thing that came to my mind is, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Because... I, I, we don't have to necessarily show the image, but we can certainly describe sure. that the images are of naked black people uh, engaged in sexual acts. 
and you have the name of the of the of the event and it says they have a dream which is obviously a reference to Martin Luther King's I have a dream speech and then this weekend here's this event and the picture is of um now to be to be fair they do have uh it looks like it looks like all cisgendered people uh, but they are all looking uh, African-American and they are all engaged in sexual acts with African-American people. And you have uh, some cocksucking going on and um, looks like a young lady is fucking another young lady up the ass. Um, actually, I take that back because it does appear that there is a person um, of, a, of, a, of a gender varied body as well. So you have some gender and some diversity happening here. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not sure why I have to explain this. Um, white people don't use us. Don't do it. Just don't ever do it. Don't use us to sell your product. Don't use our sexuality to sell and promote your product. A party is a product and now you are selling it. B, we... Uh, cannot look at something like the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, especially in the current climate, and think that sexualizing it is okay. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, we're looking at right now a situation where the national attention, for the first time in my memory, and I'm 45, is focused on the wholesale inequality of the treatment of, of specifically African-Americans by the police. Yes. Mm -hmm. The disproportionate number of people that are killed. Yes. The disproportionate number of people who are incarcerated. Yes. We've never had this conversation before. Mm -hmm. And so right now is actually, not, not for many level. of us, a watershed moment where attention is being paid to the issues of the descendants of slaves in this country in a way that has not been focused since the death of Dr. King. Yes. Uh -huh. And so for you to take it and... and I, I, and I say trivialize it. And so when I say trivialize it, understand that a great swath of my life is spent presenting as vital and important our sexuality. Uh, however, to take our sexuality and to align it with a sex party and utilize the memory of arguably, obviously, the greatest leader for civil rights that has lived in this country whether or not you agree with that, there's a case that's easily made for it, is appalling. Yes. And so selfish. Yes. And so thoughtless. If this, this is me totally playing devil's advocate here because like I totally, I'm aligned <laughs> with, if this were made by, if, if this were made by people of color, is there any conceivable way that... No, I would, would if, if a person of color say, did it, I would say, why are you showing your ass? We have company. Uh. <laughs> this is the thing that your mom would say when you were on the street. And I will tell you, one of the things that's very important uh, for those of us who grew up in America who were black is we are always, always on our best behavior when it comes to being around white people. Mm. I cannot tell you how many times our parents would say, look, don't, don't. They're waiting for us to fuck up. They being mm. y'all. The police so, are going to hear this and turn their backs on you from now on. You know? <laughs> Given that I'm ready for we're it, we're all I, I can I imagine Dave is as well, like super aligned with the ways you've articulated that this is super fucked yes. up. Yes. So the person that wrote in 
um, we assume is maybe on this mailing list has participated in this party before. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even there are like great things that happen within that community. This person maybe feels like invested in this community. What is there like? What is the way to go about? calling this out which they have to they have to you have right you, i think you have you have i'm I gonna say you have to yeah. <laughs> you have to say something and and what bothers me is that i don't know how many people were involved in this community but did no one say anything yeah i think about geisha gates or 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 do you or, remember yeah with, what's, with, what's that uh a couple years ago another play party it's a, like, it was a it was it was actually a conference so it was a little bit uh, bigger than okay. a play party it was a, a national level conference that has people from all over the country and some international mm-hmm. come in to speak. Big one that happens in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, they used as their logo um, this sort of Oriental-esque font. And, and they had a white woman in dressed in, in geisha makeup as their selling point. Uh, now, <laughs> now here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let us not ignore that one of the biggest events in in the kink and BDSM community is one that's called ShibariCon, which again is about Japanese rope bondage. And one could argue that the entire uh, feeling of that event is assimilative. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is, as you could say, white people practicing yoga could be assimilative. Right. You know, but 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 you have to look at what the intention is. You mm. have to look at what the scope is. You also have to look at whether or not they're aware that what they're doing is problematic, because I think that some people are just ignorant, and ignorance is not a crime. And I'm actually quite all right with ignorance. What I'm not all right with is willful ignorance. Yes. Mm. And so if this person is so ignorant. As to not have, I will give them the benefit of the motherfucking doubt. Let's say you have been living in a fucking bubble and you just came out of it and you said, let's see, Martin Luther King Day is coming. Let's have a party. Hmm. Well, he was black. I know. Let's have black people in our postcard. Let's say you are just that unexamined. Someone needs to say to you, hey, <laughs> actually, um, this is not cool. Yeah. And, and here's why. Let's give them the benefit of that doubt. At that point, if they still say, well, I, I don't care or, well, I didn't mean it or whatever else, when the defensiveness starts coming in, then you have a point where you can give pushback. But it, it mm. saddens me that out of an entire list of people, and we don't know, maybe people did write to the maybe promoter yeah. um, privately. Perhaps someone I'm off guessing list. Somebody must have. Like, well, you can't. Don't, don't, you don't, can't. Yeah. You can't assume. Yeah. I wish you Diffusion could. Diffusion of responsibility. Yeah, yeah, because everyone else would assume. You know, someone else said something, uh-huh. or the majority of people might just see it and think, okay, well, you know, it's black people and it's Martin Luther King Day. That makes sense. We have pictures of dancing leprechauns for St. Patrick's Day. Irish people don't seem to mind that. <laughs> Leprechauns, Leprechauns aren't real. Very salient point yes. by David I James don't believe McGee. You. <laughs> Thank you for ruining my weekend. <laughs> so I think that as Molina said, I think that actually starting off with saying like I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're that you just didn't know this was okay might be a good way in to be like, maybe you didn't know that this wasn't this isn't provocative. It's fucking problem. And I think you can, I think that you, if you're being very generous, you can give them the benefit of the doubt and go, then that might be helpful. But also if you just, I don't know, that's really bad. <laughs> and, and, and the problem is that there is there, we shouldn't have to reinvent the wheel with every time 
uh, we talk about issues of people you, uh, being appropriative mm-hmm. and in a way that's, that's unacceptable and problematic. You know, I, I've started to try to veer away from using the word offensive because it's so subjective. And because actually that doesn't offend me. I just think it's grotesque. And I think a lot about instead of like th- worrying about being politically correct, because I think people would be like, oh, well, then what can we do if everything is wrong or we're stepping on landmines? And right. it's just like I like um, my dear friend says that it's not about being like worrying about being politically correct. It's like just think about like what is the world that you would like to see? <laughs> like, yeah. And then like to calm the anybody who'd be worried, like, am I stepping on toes? Just like what is the world that you would like to see and operate within that? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I didn't know if I interrupted you, Melina. No, 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 no. I'm still, I'm still, what's interesting is that you, you presented me with what is a fascinating problem, which is if the person says to you, why is this offensive? Uh Uh-huh. If they're that, if they're that low level, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, The level of examined, not necessarily low level of like. Not humanity, but low, but low level of, of awareness. Yeah. Uh You know, and. Um, exposure. Yeah. 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 If they have no, if you're having to start from scratch, uh-huh. appropriation and racism 101, you know, bar- boundaries around bodies and perception, yeah. where so, do you start? Yeah. So say this person calls, like, writes an email saying this is deeply problematic. Yeah. And, but then if the response is help us understand better, where do we. <laughs> Where do we go from there? There was a comment on on Metafilter recently, and I'm going to we'll post a link to the actual thing, and I'm going to paraphrase it. It was about the way that um, the way that some people react to feminism uh, is like they're wandering into a grad school level course on number theory and start shouting about how um, uh, how how can you use imaginary numbers? And they're not there. And when they all kind of look at you and sort of like casually and annoyedly wave your hand in the direction one one level textbooks, you flip through a few pages and say, none of this makes any sense anyway. You're just pretending you're uh, making it all up. Right, right, right. And this is sort of we're at that. That is this point of sort of like, how do you sort of where what is the thing you wave your hand like to sort of distractedly wave your hand at like start from where do you start from? I, I, it's hard to it's hard to know. There's there's so I'm. There's so many resources on this. If you look mm. up anti-racism, you know, really? St- here you go. Invisible, the invisible knapsack yes, thing sure. on privilege. Mm. Super basic cartoon yeah. level thing. Uh-huh. You know, st- start from there and then go to Amazon and look up the people who bought this also recommend <laughs> yeah. and and surf that wave. Yeah. And so the person who wrote in, I just want to be sensitive to, like, is already on board here. Correct. It's just like how to move forward. Yeah. So the what we're suggesting is is absolutely step called, one step one call them out in some yes. way yeah and it's hard to know exactly the way but right but call them out and say surely you're aware that utilizing the bodies of people who do not look like you in order to sell your product is unfair ding, 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 and problematic yeah. yeah yeah surely you're aware of this and if they are not aware of it then you say okay you have a lot of education that you need to do you might uh-huh. want to go and look up some anti-racism texts you might want to read you know, just Google it. Google it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love of God. I have this great Let you little, Google that for you. Uh-huh. Great little picture of 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 um from Pulp Fiction, you know, the character that uh what's his name? 
Travolta? No, the other guy. Jules Winfield? Yes, yeah, Jules. I have a picture of Jules with the gun and his jerry curl. And the caption is, Google motherfucker, can you use it? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, man. And I have put that up on so many discussions. Yes. Threads. So, dear listeners, we Ooh. are allowing this episode to be longer than most. And I'm really <laughs> excited about that. We hope that you're excited about it, too. We're going to do one more question. Yay! Sure. Um, do, do I get to read it? Dave gets to read it. Yay. What is it? Read it, read it, read, read it. it. Oh, right. I remember. Okay. Is it the super long question? It is a super it long is. question. Ah. Settle in and listen to my mellifluous tones. <laughs> a good friend of mine is a kinkster. When we first became friends, he would talk about his bisexual poly BDSM life, which I have always been accepting of and open to talking about. Our platonic relationship was chummy and revolved around art making, whiskey drinks, and witty banter. Over time, his lifestyle changed to being in a primary relationship where his partner is in charge of all household and social management. This means that if I text or email him, he won't respond. If I text or email him with his partner CC'd, she will instruct him to respond or create the correspondence herself. When I've brought up to him that he doesn't reply to my communications, the response I get is that I need to include her in order to get a response. The partner is already included on things like party invitations where I am addressing them both, and I always invite her to everything I invite him to. But I feel like asking me to include her on all communications I send to him, like a link to a funny article I know he will appreciate, is asking me to participate, however mildly, in their kink. I don't think that I should be asked to participate in their kink in this way, but it feels that I either have to adhere to their rules or forfeit the relationship. I have continued to operate like I used to for a couple of years now, and I'm grumpy about how my communications go unreturned, and my attempts to address the topic end with me being told that I need to adhere to the rules, or just not get responded to. Long story short, is my friend in the wrong for asking me to adhere to his lifestyle kink rules, or am I being too vanilla about this and should embrace the rules my kinky friends impose on friendships? Bah. Here ends the question. Can I dig in real go. quick? Um, I just first want to... Um, the, the way in which I feel for this person, even though I ultimately come around to like totally need to respect the kink rules. That's a, that's a change that your, your friend has made. I just like, I hear that maybe this question is partly like coming out of pain of a little bit of loss of an element of friendship. And that like, regardless if it's kink, if it's a friend moving to another country, if it's a, if it's a friend, even like um, some of my dear friends who are having children, like I can celebrate that as like wonderful and beautiful and be totally on board with like, this is a great thing that they're doing and that, that, and also feel a little bit of a, in, in the necessary, the, in the shift that then happens on, in their right. priorities and their lifestyle, I can feel a bit of a loss of, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of my friend, like some, some friends I feel like, oh, I miss you. And like, yeah. that feels hard. But that doesn't mean that I then say you shouldn't have had a child like or you shouldn't have moved to another country. Even if I can I can express like this is hard for me because I really loved our relationship the way it was. But it's like people of their own volition in a healthy way doing right by themselves can make other choices that feel hard for friends. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to um, before we. Um, pontificate further on like is this right or wrong just like I do hear that there is um, that like I get that that's hard for you that that there is a shift that happened in the friendship but my yeah. short answer is you know but this is a choice that your friend is making and and it's right. not that you're complicit in their uh, complicit in their kink is that strikes me um, I'm not uh, it's it's that you are you are being asked to. I want to. This sounds a little harsh. Like 
come to terms with reality or just like to, to breathe into like who your to friend accept, is and who they their, are right to then. To accept their reality. Yeah. Right. And it, it can, and it makes sense that that can feel hard to you, but that doesn't mean that it's okay to not accept their reality right. if it's a healthy reality, which. Yeah. In the long story short, we're given two options, which is, is the friend in the wrong for asking me or am I being too vanilla and should embrace the rules? And I don't think, I actually think that there's a third answer, which is that neither of those is true. They're not wrong to ask, and you're not being too vanilla for not wanting to play. Uh, it's okay for them to ask, and it's okay for you to not want to do it. That's yeah. totally. But uh, it seems like you've tried to bring up that it's not your preferred method of communication. I've been told in no uncertain terms that you don't get a vote here, and so I don't think that you're being too vanilla. I just no. think that like you've been like, I, I, it's not. I, I totally understand you saying this is not something I'm interested in participating in Absolutely. and, and yeah. moving on and that blows yeah but, but i think i don't think that they're wrong for asking or you're wrong for saying no i love that perspective yeah. yeah i would i would go with that that neither one is wrong or too vanilla yeah or too outrageous uh i would say that in a way they are they this person is being asked to uh not participate in the dynamic but openly respect it sure mm. They are being asked to openly respect a master-slave dynamic that maybe they aren't entirely comfortable with, mm. if only because it is annoying for them. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You are allowed to do what it takes to reduce the level of irritation in your life, mm -hmm. right? Um, my suggestion is someone came to me and said this thing. I would say, can you get a blanket permission slip? Mm. Can you talk to the dominant and say, look, I completely respect your relationship. I am absolutely great with you checking the correspondence of my friend. Can you give me a permission slip to have unimpeded uh, communication with your property? Mm. Right? And that might solve the problem of having to do it every time. And it could be that the dominant person says, oh, yeah, sure, of course, absolutely. And it could be that they say, nope, I want to read each and every email as it comes in and then there you have it exactly <laughs> <laughs> and then you know and the fact of the matter is you are absolutely correct it does suck when something happens that's outside of your comfort zone mm -hmm. and then you get to decide whether or not it's okay for you yeah and there will be some shift uh -huh. And sometimes a shift is for the better. And sometimes a shift is for the better for one person and not the other. Mm -hmm. You know, mm. I certainly had a great deal more free time before I was involved in my current relationship. I have not had any situations where someone has said to my face, I'm really aggravated that you are with your partner right now and that you are not paying as much attention to me. Have I had some passive Situations where in my gut, I know that that's what's going on. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. I would prefer that the people just came out and said it. But yeah. sometimes, as you say, it's it's not quite as obvious. Yeah. Sometimes people have the feels and they're like, I have the feels. And it's okay to have the feels. I have the feels. Yeah. I have the feel. Don't know why I have the feels. And sometimes if you're like me and you're caught in your head and you can't figure out why a thing is real, you're just like, it can't be real until I know why. Until I have a reason, I'm going to ignore it. And then sometimes shit just bugs you. Yeah, and I feel like this This also makes me think... So we don't... Um we don't know. I mean, this question is so thoughtfully worded and we don't, we don't know the extent to which the person writing in is 
bugged by or comfortable with mm-hmm. the, with the situation? Like yeah. to what extent it's feeling just like annoyed or um, like it's wishing that the relationship could go on as is, or if there is discomfort, but regardless, I love um, on episode eight, we had um, the wonderful Cole Park and something that they said that sticks with me really in everyday life that I think applies here too, is like whenever there's a lack of understanding or if you feel uncomfortable about it, or if you just feel annoyed by it, is there a way even in this case that you can turn to curiosity and that phrase of turning to curiosity, like as like, have I considered turning to curiosity before mm-hmm. feeling bothered by something or, or um, is, is something that really sticks with me. And so um, obviously if you turn to curiosity, that would be, you would be CCing um, your friend's partner in <laughs> your your communication there um or you could reach out and say can we hang out just you and me and can I ask you I'd like to understand better this shift um this is this feels it feels a little bit hard to this shift feels a little bit hard to me even though I know that's selfish because I'm happy for you but um but would you help me understand better like almost reaching out for help from from the friend Mm -hmm. might be a possible that's me I recognize that I'm projecting a lot of dynamics that may or may not be going on there (laughs) but I just think turning toward curiosity as a as a concept has been so inspiring to me from Cole I feel like I, I feel uh, there's a level at which I've been on both that I've been on both sides of this, yeah. right? Or I, I can sort of, I can kind of imagine if I had a friend and I had to CC their partner and everything, and I wasn't friends with the partner necessarily as much, uh-huh. that that would feel weird, and that I wouldn't know how to feel about that. And I've also had people be like in my presence, super not respecting my relationship boundaries or my relation, my stated relationship preferences, and how uh-huh. weird that feels. And so. Yeah, this this I, I can see how this is this is sticky territory for probably everybody involved. Mm-hmm. But I think that yeah, I think you're right. You have to either respect the boundaries or forfeit the relationship, and mm-hmm. um, those are both. There's no there's no wrong answer there. I mean, it, it's okay. It's it's okay to make the, the choice you'd make. But if 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 you choose that not following that, I don't know. Don't it's it sounds like you wouldn't do it lightly. But listener, don't don't do it lightly. You know. I would say to the caller, writer, caller, writer, (laughs) writer, caller, that um, trying to have an open conversation, and I I feel like you guys are also on my side with the communication thing. Oh, yes. And making sure that you have explored all the options. Talk to the dominant and say, hey, non kink person here, can you help me with this? Mm. Can I have a hall pass? Uh Is that okay? (laughs) That'd be my first approach. You know, and the second approach to, to look at whether or not. It's really that much skin off your nose. And if it really is, if it really is, then curtsy and bow and take your leave and move on. And it's just time for a different season in your life. And that kind of sucks, but that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes friendships last for uh, years and sometimes they're 10 minutes. Yeah. And now for quickies. <laughs> and pew, 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 pew. I Laser sound excited. effects on quickies. All right, there you go. <laughs> Um, I actually want to give my quickie to like to three minutes of discussion about the dreaded Fifty Shades of Grey movie, which I the stuff I know about it is that um, the the lead actor went to a kink club like for research, and then he had this public statement about how he had like take a shower before then in, in, engaging with his wife like later. Before and I he, like, could touch my gross. wife and child, yeah. So I was like, like very you degrading. Fuck you. But so then and, and the the complexity that I hold here is I think like it's 
I do think it's utter dreck. I have listened to half of the audiobook. <laughs> We've heard about that. On <laughs> and the- I, I've talked about that here. It was great. Um, and, and it's just really deeply problematic um, depiction of what BDSM can be. And there's so much better stuff out there. And yet, here's the complexity. Like, even from the ad campaign, like, like uh, consensual power play and... and um, and kink is like so rooted in me that like I feel turned on by the fucking ad campaign and I wish that I didn't. Like oh, even the dear. fucking like Mr. Gray will see you now or you've been bad. Like and I just it's just the worst because I I I see like I have a sense of what <laughs> they're tapping into with the ad campaign and what is made, but just like um can um Molina, will you take Fifty Shades to task for a second and talk I, about why the it thing is, is that it feels like shooting a fish in a barrel, not just a fish, shooting a dead fish in a barrel. <laughs> you know, it's just like oh, and this and it sucks, it's poorly written, bad depiction. Uh-huh. But uh, the movie is a different creature. I always, I will always say, a movie has very little to do with the book generally. Mm-hmm. So one hopes that maybe the movie would just be a nice piece of porny fluff. Mm-hmm. However, it seems like it's 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 not. It might look pretty. And there probably will be moments where you will get sort of turned on because it's, it's that visual. But the problem is that the humanity of humans doing power exchange is what turns most of us on, is that it's people. It's like Soylent mm. Green. BDSM <laughs> <laughs> you know, is people. <laughs> and so when you take that away, you make it like pretty shiny boy and pretty shiny girl yeah. and pretty shiny sets it's probably going to feel very much like that high carbohydrate meal that 20 minutes later you're hungry again. Yeah. You know, um, with the ending of, Oh, she saves, she like saves him from, from his him, from himself. Oh, you know? like, what? Is that oh, how that book ends? That's yeah. how the whole thing ends is that Did she he, gets, isn't she like a pregnant or something? I, can't I don't remember. know, but I know it's, oh, yeah. the, the thing Holy that I found, fuck. the thing that I found fascinating about it was that, uh, it's obvious that the, guy who did this was not really uh capable of i don't know doing his job as an actor and finding the character Mm. and finding the sympathy and the empathy there uh because they had to reshoot the sex scenes really they said that they were in the rushes so terrible that they sent them back to redo them and the whole movie is about uh the sex scenes so yeah. the fact that the core of the movie was shaky does not look good and a talented editor can make anything look all right in post mm-hmm. i'm sure that over and over again they were like we will fix it in post we'll fix it in post take it to post we'll fix it mm-hmm. you know but you can't fix the fact that you're looking at a broken depiction of what we do yeah and let's speak for a moment about the ways that it is broken it is that i mean the biggest thing to me is that that the like true love saves someone from kink. Like he was an asshole to begin with. That didn't have anything to do with his kink or not. That's I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. And the infantilization of of who is someone who's supposed to be an adult mm-hmm. who's never touched herself, never had an orgasm, but somehow knows how to deep throat. Oh yeah. And has orgasms and uh magically is aroused but repulsed without told, any self-exploration is told to use a safe word then doesn't and then is upset when he doesn't psychically know that he should <laughs> stop it's everything wrong and 
it's still everyone's fantasy. And this is what makes me laugh mm-hmm. is because if the worst depiction of the shittiest SM is getting people <laughs> all over the world jerking off, yeah. wouldn't it be amazing if yes. they could actually do healthy BDSM? Yes, 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 yes. Right? Thank you, Melina, for joining me in this rant. I did hope to make you complicit in my quickie. Like, that's the thing that's so awesome about it is like, I'm like, oh, you're looking at the crappy wrong end yeah. of the yeah. of the of the telescope version of SM. Flip it around and look how it really is. It's not this, it's all of this. And it's uh, even all of the more universe. awesome and more sexy and more like yes. Yeah. And and I hope that there will be more kink focused art that is mainstream as these conversations get opened up. I know it's we have to make it, you guys. Let's make it. You're making it has some to of be, it. Yeah? It has to be us. It has to be us who does it. Uh-huh. You know, it uh-huh. can't be them. They won't do it because they don't care. Uh-huh. You or know? they'll go to a kink club and then they'll take go to a, a shower club and, and then they feel so gross. And then bathe. Yeah. That's not to say I have not bathed after going to kink clubs, but that's because <laughs> I was sweaty. <laughs> right, right. But the, yeah. Shower can be a, a good time for, you know. It's true, it's, it's true. So anyhow, end of, end of my quickie. Thank you for letting me go there. Um, who wants to go next? I have one. And mine is just a, I'm, I'm going to plug another podcast that I've been listening to and really enjoying, which is a podcast called Reply All. That mm. is um, a podcast, it's, a, it's called A Show About the Internet. And they take something that has to do with the internet and and dive deep. It has, you know, it's like this American Life credential behind it, sort of people who have worked out on or around that show. And a recent episode that was their ninth episode called The Writing on the Wall um, was about uh, a thing that took place at Colgate University in upstate New York, where um, some students of color who were in the vast minority there started an alliance to try to fight, to sort of like have at least a community. Um, And there's an app called Yik Yak that allows for anonymous posting within a certain radius. So it's a way, it's it's just Mm -hmm. an anonymous uh, local message board, wherever it is that you are, it's within 10 miles of the radius. And the community at that college starting a vicious, sexist, racist, anonymous posting campaign against their alliance and how they dealt with that and fought back against it. Um, I found it really moving. They interviewed the people involved. The way that the the way that the university and professors responded is very interesting. Um, it's you know um, going to be it's a it's an episode that has that has a lot of um, it deals with a lot of real huge problems. Um, and but I found it to be a very um, incisive and interesting listen especially hearing the perspective of the students on the ground um dealing with uh dealing with that onslaught so um listen to reply all it uh it's available um i have it on dog catcher so if you're an android probably you can get it i think it's on itunes you can get it there um yeah give it a give it a listen it's really good so my quickie is about kink and imagination i recently read that Anne rice is coming out with a new edition in the Sleeping Beauty series. And I will confess, and I hang my head a little bit, that that was one of my gateway drugs in terms of accepting the fact that I still found kinky stuff hot, mm-hmm. even though I read them and I was like, oh, uh-huh. these are terrible. These are awful. Flip, flip, flip. Uh-huh. Wank, 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 wank. <laughs> oh my God, this is so ridiculous. Wank, 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 wank. And then someone posted on Facebook, oh, Anne Rice is writing another Sleeping Beauty book. And I was like on Amazon, pre-order. <laughs> Click. You know. And, Rush, uh, one day delivery. I know, I know. I'm getting a fuck delivery. I want it on my, <laughs> on my tablet so I can just lay face down in bed and read it while I'm, you know, 
falling asleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> is that what they call it these days? I know. It's so <laughs> relaxing. Um, and I, I have to say, I have so many people in my life who are writers of, of kink stuff. And, you know, for example, my former evil landlady, Laura Antoniou, who's written the whole Marketplace series. You should have her on. She's amazing. Mm. And she's local. Awesome. And has written just book after book after book of just reams and reams of porn about wealthy people who own slaves and how hot that is. You know, it's very sexy, underground, master slave trading community thing. And I myself was inspired to continue and accept myself as a kinky person by writing my own porn, Mm -hmm. which was basically the most politically incorrect horrible, like the worst thing I could think of. I was like, so the innocent, poor, naive slave girl on the plantation is ravaged by the hot and sexy British sea captain who's visiting her master. And it's written in the most purple prose Victorian era, (laughs) you know, um, as many euphemisms for the penis as you could possibly think of without calling it the penis, like his manly rod and his throbbing scepter and all that terrible shit (laughs) that you read. And you're like, this is terrible. Fat, 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 wankity, wank, wank. Taint diddle, taint diddle. Exactly. (laughs) Taint diddling. (laughs) That just sounds like the opening line to a song, doesn't it? That's the captain's name. Captain (laughs) Captain Captain taint diddling (laughs) of the HMS fuckstick. Writing alongside the pinafore, <laughs> it still works yeah, no matter totally. where you go. Yep. <laughs> and what I what I remember is that, in as much as it's very easy for us to laugh at Fifty Shades, and it, as, as I said before, I'm going to say it again, it makes me so sad mm-hmm. that something of such poor quality is going to be the gateway for people because it's not good. Uh-huh. But people will still read it and get turned on by it in spite of themselves. In the same way that you got turned on by the trailer, even though part of your yeah. part of your brain is like, oh, oh this God. is oh Jesus Christ, and you're like. Oh my God, look at his suit. Not <laughs> <laughs> <Hot> a suit. <laughs> it's like you were there. I know. <laughs> and so I. How did I, you know that? I, know. Exactly. <laughs> I encourage people because, like, I'm sure that the woman who wrote that book was not sitting there going, I am going to be a billionaire in two years as a result of writing this because it was originally Twilight fan fiction. Uh huh. That was then she just did a global replace and changed the names. And now it's this huge phenomenon. And I know that for me, writing my own fantasy took it from the realm of this is something I can never have to, well, I can at least think about it and mm-hmm. masturbate to it. And I'll never do anything else, but Create I have the this. the art that we would like to yeah. see in the world. Yeah. Yes. And, and part of this is my challenge. I, I wrote about six chapters of this and then stopped because I was horrified and ashamed. But because what I wanted was for someone to tell me, you are the worst black woman who has ever lived. How dare you betray everything that is good and right and write this terrible porn that's exploitative and blah, blah, But instead what happened was everyone who read it was like, this is hot and amazing and you need to finish this. This is awesome. I actually had a friend of mine whose dad, she sent it to her dad, I'm not even kidding, who's a professor of lit at, uh, at uh, uh, what's that college down in, in um, anyway, an important university. Uh-huh. And her dad called me to tell me that this was amazing and brilliant. He's like, I see what you're doing there with the homage to the Victoriana and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's wanking porn. And he's like, no, it's, it's something else is happening here. And so when I talk to other kinky people and they're like, well, we're not portrayed well, well, I don't see myself in it. You have to make it. 
Mm. And part of this is a challenge to myself to finish this terrible porn. And, <laughs> and, totally. to, and to get that out there because if I enjoy it, someone else will enjoy it. And some other person, uh, I mean, I, my fantasy is that someday some other young black woman will read it and not feel the th- years of guilt and self-abuse that I laid on myself. And she'll say, oh, it's completely okay to have these fantasies, wankity wank, wank, fat, 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 and be okay with it because that's part of what community does is create a space where you're all right and create a space where you can get consent from yourself first because that's the first line of consent. Where you're all right and you can hold the big questions around yeah. stuff all together. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So make more smut, perverts. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Nelly, that's it for episode 24. And thank you again so much to Molina for joining us. And thanks to all of you for downloading and for being in conversation with us here. And as always, we want this to just be the beginning of all of these conversation threads and please, please be in touch. Send us your ideas, your questions, your objections anytime. Send us questions you'd like us to address on future episodes. Um, We are always excited to hear from you in any way and we do hear from you quite a bit and we would love to be bombarded. So please bring it on. You can find all of our contact info on our website, sexforsmartpeople.com. And thanks from the bottom of our hearts to everybody who is already our patron. And if you're not already our patron, but would be up for throwing us a buck or two per episode to help us keep afloat, we would really, really appreciate it. You can go to patreon.com slash sex for smart people. And this podcast is a labor of love and we're so passionate to keep it going regardless of finances, but we are paying a bit per episode out of episode out of pocket still. So every little bit of support from our community helps a great deal. Um, And I'm so thrilled that on our next episode, we have a guest returning, um, Alex Morgan, who was with us on episode 12 when they were still going by Sabrina, will join us again and we'll talk about their... many, many different things, but especially their focus right now on trans inclusive sex ed, which is so important and that I want to learn a ton more about. So we hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for bearing with all the announcements. I promise the blank is the sexiest at the end. We'll make it worth your while to stick with all of this. Um, One more announcement um, because it is so, so important, of course, to have even more complex perspectives about BDSM out there. I want to give a shout out about a study that's being done by one of our listeners and she's looking for additional participants. So um, she's Jenny Marion. She is conducting a study of women who take submissive or masochistic roles in consensual BDSM. Um, Her work seeks to correct the many harmful stereotypes about BDSM in the field of psychology and in the culture at large and to gain a more complex understanding of what it means for women to choose to submit. The study will be based on interviews with a handful of rad ladies and it will be written from a sex-positive, feminist, psychoanalytic framework. Jenny is seeking participants who are cisgender women of any sexual orientation aged 20 to 35 and who sometimes or always take submissive, masochistic, or bottom roles in their sexual lives. Slaves, switches, fetishists, pros community players and bedroom kinksters are all welcome. If you fit the bill and would enjoy having an in-depth conversation about your sexual 
sexual identity and experiences, please get in touch with Jenny for more details. Um, you can reach her on Facebook, Jenny Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N, or Jennifer Marion, that's J-E-N-N-I-F-E-R-M-A-R-I-O-N at mail.adelphi, A-D-E-L-P-H-I dot E-D-U. So we're hoping that lots more people will get involved with her study and we're really excited to see what she finds. That is all. Thank you for sticking with me, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you next time on Sex for Smart People. My collar is the sexiest. Train travel is the sexiest. <laughs> the, the Captain Captain Admiral Taint Diddlin of the HMS Fuckstick is the sexiest. <laughs> You're going to have to do that again. They're going to be like, what? <laughs> or as you said in German. And you have to do Fugstick. I like, I like his bad German accent the best. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everybody. See you next time.